Welcome to the Cello Sherpa Podcast, where we explore all aspects of the climb to the summit from intermediate musician to the professional stage. Check us out online at thecellosherpa.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thecellosherpa. I'm Joel Dallow, your host. I joined the cello section of the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra in 1999 and founded the Riverside Chamber Players based in Roswell, Georgia in 2003. Today's episode is sponsored by Clear Resources, your premier resource for compliance, legal, ethics, and risk. For more information, visit them online at clearresources.com. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about another fantastic podcast sharing similar content to this podcast. Musicians vs. the World, hosted by Christine Smith, gave me a chance to be on the other side of the mic and talk about my experience as a professional musician. That episode was released on February 5th and is available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So I hope you'll have a chance to check out her podcast. And now for today's episode. Blaise Desjardins was appointed principal cellist of the Boston Symphony Orchestra in the spring of 2018 after having been a member of their cello section for 10 years. He just released a new book called Audition Day, Your Guide for a Successful Orchestral Cello Audition. This is a hot topic on this program, so we thought it would be great to bring him on to talk about this fantastic new book. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Cello Sherpa podcast. Oh, thanks, Joel. It's my pleasure. So moving from a section position to a principal position in the same orchestra, particularly after 10 years, is pretty rare. So how on earth did you manage to do that? I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't know when I did it, it would work out. I had no idea. You know, I took a chance on myself. And then the committee and Andrew Nelsons took a chance on myself as well. I guess, you know, I worked hard, obviously, preparing the audition. I assume my playing, you know, was maybe ready for that sort of spotlight. But obviously, you know, auditioning for that position is a rare chance. You know, the position was with the same person for 50 years before. So, yeah. uh, and I felt like, you know, at my age, I was in my early 30s. It felt like the timing was was right for me. And it would be it would basically be stupid not to take it, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I gave it a go. How did I manage to do it? I, I mean, I think I, I'm, I'm the kind of person who's always trying to improve. So I was doing that when I was in schools and I was doing that when I was already in the BSO. I kept, you know, trying to challenge myself, kept trying to improve my playing. And also, I think maybe after a few years in the BSO, I, I started playing golf and then that got me really into like all the mental tricks you can do to play well under pressure. In that case, it was mostly to apply them to golf, but then it sort of seeped into my my cello performance as well. Yeah. Because full disclosure, I'm a worse, I'm a much worse golf player than I'm a cellist. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I really needed all the help I, I could get. Yeah. And then I, you know, I don't know, you know, also I think for where I was in my life at that moment, I was really into, into Zen Buddhism. So I read a lot of books on that stuff. And then a lot of those things I actually can apply. I found out to, to, you know, feeling good on stage and enjoying the moment and, and being present. So that, Helped me a lot too, I think. Did you always want to be in a principal role? Was that a goal of yours? No. Uh, the story in my family is that apparently when I was a child, I, I really looked up to to the principal of, of my hometown orchestra, which was Strasbourg, and the cellist was Jean de Place, uh -huh. which you probably don't know in, in, in the US, but in France, he was actually very well known as a teacher and as a cellist. Had a big, fat sound, big hands. There's actually a video of Colny Dre with him in a cello ensemble on YouTube. And it's at the end of his life, so he's not you know as good as he was before, but you can see the tone is amazing. The shifting is, is so incredibly easy. 
he's shifting back and forth all the time. And anyway, he was quite a an important figure in my hometown and in France. And so, you know, I guess it's natural as a kid that I looked up to him and said, like, oh, I want to do that, you know. Yeah. But frankly, later on, no, I mean, I, I was happy being in the BSO cello section. I was having a great time. I was really not planning to, you know, hunt a principal job somewhere else. So, you know, I could have taken a chance and then, you know, play horribly during my trial or something <laughs> like that. You know, it was totally possible. So, yeah. Well, and can I ask how old were you when you won the section position? I think I, I won it when I was, well, I was, I was 23. I, I started the job when I was 24. Oh, wow. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So, and was that your first audition then? It was my second audition, but the first one was also for the BSO the year before. Oh, wow. I was the last one standing, I mean, sitting down with my cello <laughs> in the final. And uh, and then I thought, you know, I'll give it one more go. And if they don't take me, I'll go back to Paris, you know, which, which was the plan originally. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Were you intent on staying in the U.S. or did it just happen to work out that way because you ended up with that position? Well, it worked out because of the BSO. So what happened is that, you know, I, I took that first audition. I, I've, it felt I was very close to getting it. And I thought, you know, it's too bad to, to go back to France and not give it at least one more try, you know. Yeah. So I managed to stay an extra year. I was still in school at the time when doing my, finishing my master's at uh, NEC. Mm -hmm. So I stayed an extra year doing a graduate diploma. And this time it worked out. And they hired like three cellists. Oh. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I stayed. Did yeah. you say three cellists? Yes. Oh, wow. And who were the other two? So the other two were another French guy, Alexandre Lecarne, uh -huh. who I actually didn't know from, from France at all, but we, we met in the orchestra. And uh, the other was Adam S. Benson, an American uh, cellist who had been sort of climbing his way up from orchestra to orchestra and I think was coming from Oregon at the time. And are they both still in the section? Absolutely. They're both in the section and we've been, we played together in the Boston Cello Quartet for 10 years. So we're, we're all very close. Oh, fantastic. And I know you have three openings currently, just like us. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. So in writing this book, Audition Day, what inspired you to decide to tackle a project like this? Well, uh, at first it was sort of a backstage joke from a, from a friend, you know, in the orchestra, uh, as soon as, I mean, a few, a few weeks maybe after I had won the position of principal cello and someone told me, yeah, oh, you should write a book on orchestral excerpts, you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, orchestral excerpts, oh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I sort of like dismissed it. And also I was very busy, you know, figuring out how to do that job and, and adjusting to the new life. So, but then I think when the, when the pandemic happened, you know, I was like, well, actually now I have time. Plus, uh, as you probably know, I'm a publisher. I, I own Opus Cello. Yep. Uh, so I, I, I know how to publish. I have my printer. Uh, I edit my own music so I, I can, you know, do all the sheet music myself. And I felt there was a need. I felt there was a need not only uh, for, for orchestral excerpt sheet music that actually has instructions as well and not just fingerings and bowings. Mm -hmm. Because I feel very often, you know, kids practice the excerpts and they don't really know they're not sure what, what what the committee cares about when they play that excerpt. Well, let's talk about you know? that for a second. So yeah. your book is broken up into two parts, and part two is 38 excerpts that you've chosen. And so continue to talk about when people look at the excerpt, what they will see that helps them in playing that excerpt. So I have three sections of comments on the side of the excerpt. So the first one is called focus points. So they're very, just, just single words, you know, like, like, I'm looking at matter six now. It's focus points or articulation and character. Mm -hmm. So I feel like those are the two things in that excerpt of matter six that the committee is, is going to pay attention to. Then I have a concept. So it's like a one or two phrases, you know, 
encompassing the whole you know goal of that excerpt. And then I have technical tips, which is sort of the bread and butter of that page, which is all the little detail, both as called technical tips, actually, or you know artistic tips as well on, on you know how to interpret this excerpt, what to watch for, what are the classic mistakes we hear all over in auditions. Mm-hmm. In a sense, it's almost like getting a private lesson of that excerpt, except if, if you got a private lesson with any orchestra player in a top orchestra, on 38 excerpts, is going to cost you more than 40 bucks. You know? <laughs> it's also going to take a lot more than one lesson. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then, of, of course, you do get my fingerings and bowings, which, as I, as I say in the introduction of the book, I don't pretend it's a gold standard and, and it's those are miracle fingerings or anything. But they work, you know, they work. And I think a lot about my fingerings. So they work for relaxed left hand. So they, they work under pressure. And so at least it's some guidance, maybe some options, you know, maybe you won't think about, you know, I already had some feedback from, from someone on the, on the Verdi excerpt. And, and he was like, oh, wow, I, I never thought about using extensions to do this, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, if you want to have a clean legato, maybe it helps to not have to shift the, the hand every two notes, you know? Yeah. So I, I really, I'm really hoping this will help young cellists getting started on, on the audition circuit and not instead having to do an audition fail for some of those details and then, you know, feel discouraged or having to do it again over and over, you know? And so the Boeings that are in there, are those the same Boeings that you use as principal cellist in the Boston Symphony? Yeah, pretty much so. Yeah. Okay. What will people find in the first part of this book outside of the excerpts? So the first part is really like like a standard book. So there are 12 chapters. And I'm really taking the reader on a journey from the time they get the repertoire list for the audition and they look at the repertoire, maybe consider the options they have for a concerto or back suite or things like that, and how they can organize their practice, how they can prepare in all sorts of manner, you know, for, for, for the event that is the audition, up until the time where, you know, they have to, to deal with the tenure process and how to navigate that. And so, yeah, I'm really hoping, you know, it, it gives them a better idea really how to prepare the event itself, because I, I do feel there are so many young, you know, talented cellists and, and they all prepare the music really, really hard. Yeah, And I think those who will do better, unless they have no problem with nerves whatsoever, you know, in their lives, then fine, they're going to do great. But if they end up coming to the audition and, and, and not feeling ready, those who will do better are those who prepared the actual event and who prepared it for what it is, which is actually a competition, like what sportsmen execute the, the game plan on that day, you know. Yeah. And I think it's really important because so much of taking the audition, it falls to the mental preparation and how you handle yourself on the mental side, once you've done all the preparation and the excerpts. And I think that's where a lot of people have trouble and fall short because it's that competitive nature of the audition is really difficult on the mind. And I think you give so many great tips on how to work from the beginning of getting that list and how to work your way all the way through, organize your practice time, the things to focus on, the things to think about, even when you're backstage during the audition. And you mentioned what you did at the last audition, which was, I'm sure you'd like to talk for a second about that (laughs) to keep your nerves calm. Yeah, I mean, I, I was doing a coloring book for adults, you know, which it, it, it's well known that those are, are good to like, you know, help sort of focus your mind somewhere else. It's tied to the fact that I came to the audition feeling I had done my job, I had done the work. And now what mattered is, is going on stage and, and just deliver the work. So I found no use to practice more cello backstage between rounds. That was, you know, absolutely useless to me. Yeah. 
There's really some great cartoons and illustrations in the book. Yes. <laughs> and I looked to see who did them, and I saw that it was Jeff Kernow. That, that was a real stroke of luck because, uh, I mean, first of all, I grew up with classical music cartoons. I don't know if you, you, you know the Hoffnung cartoons, but they were, you know, we had them in my household when I was growing up. And, and so I really wanted something that's a bit more lighthearted because obviously the book is about a serious topic. And, yeah. You know, I want people to 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 keep smiling a bit too, and so I, but I was like, where am I going to find you know a cartoonist and and even harder to find a cartoonist who knows the topic. Uh-huh. And I, I literally found Jeff on Instagram. You know, I typed the hashtag you know classical music cartoon and boom, I found Jeff, and I connected him and he was really into it and and he was awesome. I mean, he's first of all he's a great guy, so I, I like working with great people. He's a great guy. Obviously, a great sense of humor, a great you know, great art, and then he knows the topic so well. So he was really lucky to 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 find him. I'm, I'm really thrilled. And he knows the topic so well. For those of our listeners who don't know who he is, he is the associate principal trumpet of the Philadelphia Orchestra. Before that, he was one of the trumpet players in Empire Brass, which is one of the more famous brass quintets that performed for many, many years. So he's got a real long history in this business, and I've worked with him too. So I, it's, oh, okay, awesome. when I saw that, I was like, wow, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that he was drawing cartoons. And I assume he did the cover art too then. Absolutely. So I had, I had also, um, maybe it's a good time to mention the whole team. So I had a designer, Adam Aggie, who designed the book. So he designed it, all the text inside and the cover, how to work. So I had an illustration from, from Jeff, and then we had to work it out, how to sort of blend it with the title and the subtitles and all that stuff. So I was really lucky that Adam was wonderful as well. And for the text itself, there was a cellist here in Boston, Francesca McNeely, who helped sort of to make my English match what English should be like, <laughs> because I'm a French guy. Yeah. So she did a great job too. And also I work with a Black Ribbon Printing in Colorado. So a little shout out to Matt Franco, who's doing a great job with his book and with my sheet music as well. Yeah, that was my next question. So you formed your own publishing company because you started doing arrangement for cello groups, right? And for the cello quartet. Are you printing all of your own arrangements and are you printing this book also? So I, I don't print all my arrangements, but it's a plan I have. Basically, Opus Cello started only as a, as a website. So people could download PDF files, which is still what it is today. Then after a few years, because it was doing well, I, I started printing real, you know, sheet music. And so it's carried in, in stores, you know, in France, in Germany, in, in Austria, in the States. And then after a while, I got so busy, I had no time anymore to edit for printing. So it was yeah. just the PDFs. So I'm hoping to do more print now. But I, I do think the PDFs, you know, the future of, of, of sheet music. I mean, my, my only concern about it is, is, is the easy sharing aspect. Yeah. But it hasn't been a concern, I think, with my chill on song music. People still keep ordering. So the reason I did it myself is... I found, you know, whether you want to record an album with a label or whether you want to publish a book with a producer or, you know, try selling a book, a book on Amazon, you know. I mean, nobody's helping you. They're all using you. You know, they take huge cuts. Yeah. You know, and, and I was like, you know, now we have the internet. Everybody goes in the internet. It's not that hard to have a website and, and downloads. And, and so now we really, I mean, I have orders all over the world and it's really heartwarming when like a few years later I see a video pop up on YouTube of something I arrange and people playing it and and that really warms my heart. That's great. And that's Opus Cello. Is that is mm -hmm. that where people would find you? Yes. Or, okay. Good to know. It must be hard to balance all of this though, now taking on the principal role that you've been in the last few years. 
Yeah, which is why, why actually now I'm talking with a music editor to see if, if somebody can help me edit the music, which I was doing also all by myself before. But obviously now I really need to practice my cello now. So, <laughs> so I can't, I can't realistically do everything. So, yeah, but, but I'm really excited about the, the future for Opus Cello. Yeah. That's great. So let me ask you a little bit about the Boston Symphony's history of excerpts on the list mm-hmm. because the list has had its own sort of history and trajectory, especially with 50 years of the same principle. Mm-hmm. Who decides on the audition list when it comes to having an opening in the cello section? So it, it is a principle. Okay. So this is, a, I think, second list I'm making. Um, I did the list for the assistant principal cello audition. Or we uh-huh. hired my, my colleague Oliver Aldort. And then this one, which actually is not is not very different from the last last list. So I, I know it may look longer mm-hmm. if you dig in the excerpts or shorter. And so I actually, I, w- I was curious. I looked at the numbers myself because I, w- I wanted to see exactly what's going on. So the audition in April, we have 24 excerpts. Okay. Including one full movement, which is better than five, which we all know what's going to be asked, right? Yeah. <laughs> and there's no full piece, okay? Back in 2014, which was the last section audition, we had 25 excerpts, including two full movements and one full piece, which was Don Juan. Okay. Okay. So not only is more excerpts, it's one more. It's one more full movement and one more full piece. Yeah, okay. which makes a big difference in preparing. Yes, I think, you know, we decided a while ago to stop doing the, the full pieces, which was, you know, really, I mean, I can't believe, you know, they hired three cellists on that list before <laughs> when, I, when I auditioned. And so I actually, I have that list too. I made sure to get it for today. Back in 2008, we had 19 excerpts, including 14 full movements. Oh, wow. And three full pieces. Okay, we had La Mer full, Don Juan full, and Wagner Tristan Prelude complete with wow. the best So I, I know sometimes people get frustrated with the list, you know, and they think like, oh, it's too hard, and I have several opinions on, on the matter. The first thing is that it was way higher in 2008, you know. Uh-huh. People complaining now, I'm like, come on, you know. <laughs> and the other thing is, is actually, I don't think the list is that hard. I mean, we have some of the hard ones like Verdi and 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 all the Strauss stuff and but really like if it's hard for you to play Beethoven nine and and, and Mozart thirty five and 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 Mendelssohn you know Midsummer Night's Dream then you're gonna have trouble at the audition you know those should not be you know that hard to play yeah so I I think it's a fair list and also you know obviously some excerpts you know matter a lot sometimes some excerpts are there just for one specific aspect that you may need to check with one candidate at some point and, and, you know, in the final maybe, and, and, and then use that except for that purpose. I can't say that the list is never going to change. Maybe I'll adjust if we have another audition, you know, yeah. if we totally fail this year and we can hire anyone, I'll definitely, you know, think about it long and hard, but you know, I actually, I just brought back the, the book of resumes today. Uh-huh. And I think I can, I think I'm allowed to tell you, we have 273 applicants. Whoa. That is a yeah. lot. And are you going to screen those resumes down to an invited list? Of course, it's screened down. You know, there are probably going to be a lot of tape rounds. Okay. But also looking at the quality of people that will be invited to finals and semifinals, it's very, very high. You know, I would actually be surprised if we don't hire three people. And I would, yeah, I would really be surprised. I, I feel like there's a really high quality level here. Yeah, that's great. And can we talk about then the solo requirement on the list? Because mm-hmm. that has been a little unique in the Boston Symphony and what has been asked over the years compared to other orchestras. Yeah, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't figure out how far back he was going. I mean, obviously it must be Joel somehow, because I think 
a long time ago, there was still like Dvorak and Brahms Double, and it was very different. I sort of like the people who got hired with the, with those solos, you know, and not not just me, also my colleagues. And what are those solos, just for those who are listening? <laughs> so it's Schumann, Schumann Full Cello Concerto, uh-huh. and the Arpeggione First Movement. And we don't have any more. We used to have this one also, which was yep. much harder than you would think. But I, I feel like, you know, having Schumann Concerto is, is plenty. I, I think those pieces, you know, really speak to the qualities that we look for in, the, in this orchestra, which means, you know, always a, a singing tone, uh, beautiful long phrases. And I think it's hard to do with those pieces or, or those pieces show right away if you can't do that. You yeah. Know? Because of technical demands, you have to go beyond those technical demands to be able to to sing through. And so I think that's what Joel Deskin like. That's what I like too. Plus, I always felt very close to the Schumann Cello Concerto and Arpeggione as well. I, you know, and frankly, you look at the level of the kids today, Arpeggione is not that hard for them. You know, it's, they all do it in school. And I think it's a fair program. Is it never going to change? I don't know. But, you know. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's the only orchestra that the Arpeggione is asked. So that's why I wanted to wanted to talk. Okay, about I, did, I didn't I didn't know that I didn't know that. Um, At least to my knowledge, I don't yeah. know of another one. I've never I've never had to prepare it for an audition. I've taken probably ten times as many auditions as you have. So. Yeah, <laughs> or at least close to that. <laughs> I have a lot of experience in the auditioning side. That's yeah, yeah, sure. a lot more experience than me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but you've won more, so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, this has been a really great conversation. Is there anything else that we might have missed that you'd like to tell our audience about? I mean, once again, I, I want to reinforce with the books is the idea is really to to prepare the event well. And, and you know, I don't know if you follow tennis at all, but, you know, Nadal just won his, his 21st Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. And I was in Paris last year. And just by a pure stroke of luck, I got to see him training before his semifinal. And, you know, his intensity when he was training was was insane. Uh-huh. You know, like shouting on every shot, like 100%. And, and I was thinking, like, I don't practice like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> when I practice, I'm pretty relaxed. And, then, you know, I take a drink. He's so focused and so intense. And and so that really was like a teaching moment for me. It's like, oh, what, what champions do to, to prepare, you know, the intensity and then I, I guess when he comes to the game, it's just the same thing. It's just as intense, but he's done it before. He's done it in training. He's, he's used to it, you know. I feel like it's really important, you know, to be ready for the competition aspects. So once again, try to do as many competitions as you can before you want an orchestra job. Like, I, I think if you shy away from competitions when you're in school and then you're dreaming of getting an orchestra job, it's going to be harder, you know. Yeah. When I took my first BSO audition, it was a few months after I did the Paolo Cello competition in Finland. It was a program that required three full concertos and, and a recital program. Okay. Wow. So I got kicked out in the semifinals, thankfully, because my Prokofiev was just not ready at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I came to the BS audition after that. So, you know, what do you think was, was the hardest to, to play concertos in front of a jury, you know, with, with Franz Halmerson and, 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 and Louis Claret and all, the, all those great players and teachers or play behind the screen with people I, I don't know, just a few excerpts, you know? Yeah. It was really not that bad for me. But I, I know now that, you know, if, if I came to that audition as, let, let's say, you know, a, a father who needs to feed a family, gets benefits for everyone, you know, needs a paycheck really bad. It's a whole different mindset. It's much harder, actually. So whenever people tell me, oh, it's amazing, you want a job so young, I'm like, no, it's not amazing. It's easier. 
It's much easier. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, it's funny because you described my audition track when you said that about a father. <laughs> so, I, had, so. I had three kids when I moved here. So. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> and it's really hard. And I also never did competitions. And that mm-hmm. really is great advice, I think, because you're right. Actually, I talked to the concertmaster of Berlin Philharmonic, Noah, mm-hmm. in season one, and he talked about that too, how he was doing all these competitions. And it was a great training regimen for learning how to survive an audition because it really is a competition. It's just a competition around orchestral repertoire. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And you know, I, I didn't like doing those competitions when I was in school. Like my teachers basically had to force me to do each of them, you know. Uh-huh. Paolo Cello, I didn't want to go. And then Lawrence said, was like, no, no, you're going. <laughs> and so, but now I'm glad. And, and, and looking back now, I wish I did more, you know. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's also you, I'm actually not very competitive by nature. I don't want to like push other people down or anything like that. But I think that also, you know, there's a fear of failure. Like, what if you go and you don't do well, you know? Right. And that feels bad, you know? You don't want to go through that. So then you're like, oh, I won't do it, you know? But you, you find out a lot of things. You you may find out, you know, that you're better than you think, you know, which is a bit what I did also with my principal audition. I took it having no idea what would happen. I knew there were lots of really awesome candidates. And it worked out the second time also, but it worked out. So it's good to test yourself and be ready, you know, when you really care about the event. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Actually, I did want to ask you one other thing, though. Do you teach? Uh, Not yet. I'm really hoping I will soon. I I love teaching. I mean, obviously, this book also comes out from a passion of transmitting, you know, uh, tips and and ways to improve things. So I was teaching privately before I became principal, and I had to stop to focus on, on my job. But I'm really hoping, you know, sometime soon I can have a studio and build students in the long term. And that's something I really, really treasure. Yeah, yeah I, I could tell just from reading through the book that you have mm-hmm. a passion for that. Between the time we recorded this interview and edited it, this answer Blaz gave has become outdated. So we wanted to update his original answer with this exciting news that he will be joining the faculty at the New England Conservatory starting this coming fall, 2022. And where can people find you online? I know you have Opus Cello is where people can find your arrangements. Of, mm-hmm. And your arrangements of what? Are they cello quartets or are they cello ensembles or is it all of that? So it's cello ensemble. So it's anything from two to 12 cellos. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And not only, you know, I have my arrangements. I have arrangements from other people. I recently had um, Sébastien Walnier join, join my team, who's a principal cello at La Monnaie in Bruxelles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does awesome arrangements for eight cellos. And I'll have other people join me soon. So I'm publishing more and more other people because I also don't have that much time to arrange anymore. Yeah. So that's one place, Opus Cello. And not only we have the, the sheet music, you have, if you dig in into the site a bit more, you, you'll find interviews, you know, with, with Johannes Moser, Gauthier Capuçon, oh. Lynn Harrell, uh, Jules Eskin, you know, Louis Claret. So there's some reading material there. And then, of course, there's my personal website, uh, blazejardin.com. Mm-hmm. And I have a few blog posts also about, about playing and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And then I do a bit of social media. I mean, I, I'm on Instagram. I post more stories than I post posts, you know. Mm-hmm. I obviously have a Facebook page, a couple of videos on YouTube. I'm not hardcore social media, you know, only if it's really important. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you do have a great website, too, with a lot of information on there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Cello Sherpa podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I had a great time. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Cello Sherpa podcast. For more information about where to pick up Blez's new book, Audition Day, check out the show notes below. 
Not only is it available on his website, but also at Carriage House Violins and Salco and Sons Bowmakers. Be sure and catch our next episode where we interview Chris French, the associate principal cellist of the Houston Symphony, who's also a certified personal trainer and works with musicians to help them avoid injury on the job. We're here to serve you, so if you have questions or topic suggestions you would like to cover in future episodes, please use the contact page on our website, thecellosherpa.com, or tweet them at us, at thecellosherpa. You will also find information about the specific services we offer on the website. Don't forget to follow us and rate us on whatever platform you get your podcasts. This helps us climb the rankings so other people can find us. Today's episode was produced, edited, and recorded by me, Joel Dallow.